Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Acts in chapter 27. We finished up Acts 26 this morning with a message entitled, One of the Saddest Words. And we looked when, when King Agrippa said, Almost, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. What a sad word, almost. And that happens to us sometimes, doesn't it? And uh, we talked about being altogether, not just almost saved, but altogether saved. And altogether uh, surrendered and altogether satisfied in Christ. We saw all three of those in Paul's life in Acts 26. And I've enjoyed our study through the book of Acts. And uh, we're almost done. We're in the last two chapters. And tonight we're going to make it, Lord willing, all the way through Acts 27. It's all one story. It all goes together. And so when we come back together next Sunday morning, uh, we're only going to have one chapter left in this book that we started. We, we opened up together about two and a half years ago. And we've been walking through it, mainly on Sunday mornings up until about the last month. And I added in Sunday nights when we finished up the, the study on the life of King Saul. Um, I'm trying to get through. Uh, hopefully in November I'll be done with Acts. December uh, we have a, uh, a special Christmas series that we're going to be looking at, the characters of Christmas. And we're going to look at um, the different uh, people that were involved in the Christmas story all throughout the month of December, and then kicking off two new sermon series in January, Lord willing. And I'm looking forward uh, to what I believe the Lord has for us in His Word, uh, should He tarry in His coming for us as a church family in 2022. I've, I've been putting work and time and planning into that. And so we're about done with Acts. And uh, tonight, message number 81, let's jump into chapter 27. And where we're at, we, we finished this morning, Paul was in Caesarea. He gave that, uh, that, that, that city, that seaside town on the Mediterranean, he gave that address to Festus and King Agrippa, and they finished up, they gathered together, they said, really, there's nothing left for us to do, just send them off to Caesar Augustus, which was Nero, a very wicked, wicked ruler, and just send them off. And uh, they told them, and I see Diane, it's good to have you back in church, and I think it's Pam, your daughter, that's with you there back tonight. We're so glad we've prayed for you. Uh, Diane is so glad that you're here and, and uh, been recovering well the last month or two. And, and I saw Shelly, good to have Shelly Powers with us, Caleb's mom, and uh, glad that you're here. And Janelle has a couple young ladies from uh, Bible college students there at West Coast Baptist College were with us this morning and back tonight. We're glad that you're here. And if you think of it, you'd be in prayer. Josh is sitting right down here. Josh will be traveling back to New York, I think, this, uh, this week. Josh's grandpa, faithful preacher of the gospel, went home to be with the Lord. How, how many years did he pastor? 61 years Josh's grandpa was a pastor preaching God's Word and, and was still sharp and, and uh, came down with COVID and seemed like he was doing well and then got pneumonia and and the Lord took him home to heaven this last week. And so you pray for Josh, if you will. Also be in prayer for Donna Angler. Donna's, she's struggling a little bit physically, and she's not able to be here. If you're watching tonight, Donna, we've been praying for you. And, and as she's going through the, this cancer journey um, that she has, uh, you be in prayer. And pray for one another. I, I got thinking about that when I saw Diane sitting back there and some others that are here 
we welcome you. But this morning we saw they came together and said nothing left to do but send them to Rome, send them off to Caesar Augustus. And so, uh, so that's where we find ourselves, Acts 27. His two-year wait is over. He's been in Jerusalem detained. He's been in Caesarea detained. And uh, he's going finally. He's, Paul's been wanting to go to Rome. Anybody in here, you've been wanting to go to Rome, you wouldn't mind visiting Italy. And uh, Paul was wanting to go to Rome, probably for different reasons than you or I might want to visit. He wasn't looking for a tourist vacation, he wanted to preach the gospel in Rome. And, uh, and, and he'd been waiting for quite some time. And Rome was the power capital of the world at that time. Much like America has been in recent centuries, Rome was, was kind of the, the center of culture, where culture flowed from, of education, of finances, and, and, and Paul had long wanted to minister in Rome. He had written them a letter. It's an amazing masterpiece of a letter. You've probably read it a few times in your Christian life and journey, the Book of Romans, and had written to this area. And, and so now, after years of waiting, after years of being detained and kind of a never-ending trial, he's finally going to get his audience before Caesar Augustus. He's got, finally going to get to travel to Italy, to Rome. But it's not going to be smooth sailing. Both literally and figuratively, the journey to Rome is going to be much more difficult than Paul ever imagined. As we look into Acts 27, this chapter basically reads like a nautical novel. And in this chapter, you'll see, we're going to see storms, we're going to see winds, we're going to see a shipwreck, we're going to see waves beating against the boat to the point that it begins to fall apart, it begins to disintegrate. Uh, we're going to see prisoners and crew, about 276 of them that are going to be shipwrecked on an island that they ended up miles and miles off course. A little bit, you think it has some parts of the story of Jonah in it a little bit, a little bit of Moby Dick, a little bit of Gilligan's Island is their shipwrecked on an island. And it's this nautical novel, Acts 27 is, to tell the story as Paul makes his way to Rome. And I want you, if you will, we have a lot, we're going to go through the entire chapter and then I'm going to pull out a few thoughts. The message is not, uh, does not need to be that long, but we're going to need to take probably about 10 minutes to walk through this chapter. I'm going to encourage you to follow along in Scripture. If not, the next 10 minutes, I'm just going to lose you. You're going to be off in somewhere else. But if you'll follow along and see the story, really put yourself here. Paul is a prisoner. He's been in Caesarea, and we're going to make our way. I got thinking about this. Um, we, had, we had nine or ten kids help me last time I had on a Sunday night. I had a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of verses to go through. Tonight, I need to stop a little bit in between, and so I don't want to make them stand up here. I don't know why, Alex, but I got wondering if Alex might be here. Alex, would you be willing to help me? Come on up and help me with Acts 27. And uh, some, some, there might be some other kids that might, might enjoy that as well, but I thought Alex might be my helper. I'm going to get you set up here, Alex, because we're going to read together. You're going to help me read, because if I try to read 44 verses, people are going to tune my voice out. But Alex, you're a little cooler than me. You're a little cuter than me. So when you read it, they listen a little better, all right? So I'm going to put you right here, Alex, and you're going to sit right there. I'll have you read a verse here or there. And then if you feel like you want to preach, there's something you want to say to the church, you feel free to jump right in, all right? So we'll take that. You're going to take, we're on number 10 here. And so Alex has that mic. So here's where we are. Alex, why don't you start Acts chapter number 27. And uh, there's a couple hard words, hard names in here. If we come to a hard name, you have to say it because I don't have to say it either. All right. And so you're going to do it. Acts 27, verse number one. Go ahead, Alex. And when it was determined that, these, that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a certain 
of Augustus Van. A centurion. You know what a centurion is, Alex? No. No idea? You want to know? Yeah. Okay. A centurion, what's the word century? Do you know what the word century means? How many years is it in a century? Do you know that? A hundred? You can say it in the mic. So they, a hundred? That's right. A hundred. So a centurion is a soldier that oversaw a hundred other soldiers. So they were in charge of a hundred soldiers. So it says here that Paul and some other prisoners were given unto Julius, a centurion, a Roman soldier, who was a part of Augustus's, uh, Augustus's army there. Verse number two, and entering into a ship of, what's that word there, Alex? Uh, a ship of... Adramitium. You did it better than me. We launched, meaning to sail by the coasts of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. Notice here the plural, us. And so, talk to me now. We've been in the book of Acts. Let's see if we remember. Who wrote the book of Acts? Talk to me, the human writer. Who was it? few of us, Luke. That's right. Some said Paul. It's about Paul, but it's Luke and Dr. Luke. And so Luke is writing. So when he says us, we've got, we believe that Luke has now joined Paul, Paul who's been detained for a couple of years by himself. Luke and Aristarchus, who was one of Paul's co-laborers, they willingly basically became prisoners in order to minister to Paul. What a blessing. Uh, Luke and Aristarchus said, we'll give up our freedom so that we can go wherever Paul's going, minister to him so that the preacher can be able to get the work done that needs to be done that God has called him to. So they're on a boat together, and, uh, and it says in verse number three, why don't you read that there, Alex, verse number three. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh him. If we can throw that map up there, Matt, we'll put that map up. And some people call this Paul's fourth missionary journey. And we've been through the three. And so he started in Caesarea, right there in that port side town. And he went up to Sidon, Tyre and Sidon there. And then he goes by Cyprus. But in Sidon, verse number three, it says, when he came, Julius, the centurion, Paul must have had some respect and they must have trusted him some. They might have sent a a soldier with him. But for whatever reason, the centurion let Paul go to some Christians. And it says in verse number three, he gave him liberty to go into his friends to refresh himself. So he goes in, maybe got some food, got some rations, maybe took a shower. We don't know, but he went and refreshed himself. Verse number four, and when we had launched from Thessalonica, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. Already some, some, some storms brewing in their journey. Verse 5, and when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. So, in Caesarea, they got in one boat, they come over, they're here by Myra, and there's another boat, there's a big grain ship, this huge ship that was coming from Egypt, making its way to Italy, and they, they move the prisoners over, the, the ones that need to go to Rome, they move them over and get them there. And, uh, and it says in verse 7, go ahead, Alex, read, read verse 7 till I stop, y'all. Oh, you know what? That's got some hard words. I'll go ahead and mispronounce them. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Sinaitis, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmoni. So do you see it there? Myra, they went there, and then they end up over by this island of Crete. And uh, you can see Salmoni, they're, they're here in this island. This is where they make it. And now things start to get a little dicey. Verse 8, Alex. And hardly passing it, came unto a place which is called the fair he- heavens, nigh whereunto 
was the city of Lycia. So here they are, the Fair Havens. They're here in this. They get here. They're in this island of Crete. They come to the Fair Havens. And it says, uh, the wind was not really helping them. Verse number nine, now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. The fast, that is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. This tells us that this is probably somewhere early October, maybe late September, probably early October. September to November was a very dangerous time to sail in this region with the boats that they had. Once you got to the middle of November, it was basically an impossible time for a couple of months to sail. So they come, and because the trip had taken longer than they expected to get to Crete, now they're in Fair Havens, and it's not a good time to sail. Let's look and see what Paul said. Paul admonished them. Verse 10, Alex. And said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the landing and ship, but also of our lives. So Paul says, Sir, I perceive this voyage will be with much hurt, with hurt and much damage. Does it sound like it's going to be a good trip or a bad one, Alex? What do you think? Bad. Do you think they should go? No. Does Paul think they should go? No. He told them not to go, right? He said, let's stay here for a while. Let's see their response. Verse 11, nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Well, the owner and master of the ship had some ulterior motives. He needs, he's a businessman. He wants to get there and make his money. Look at verse 12. Uh, because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenix, and there to winter, which is a haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. It's not on this, on this map, but if you take Crete and go almost to the left end of it, they're at Fair Havens right now. All they wanted to do, Fair Havens was not a good place to spend a couple of months. It wasn't a place of great resources. It was not a good place to winter in. And so they weren't even trying to make it to Italy anymore. They just said, you know what? Let's just go to the other edge of the island. It's a lot better place. If we got to be stuck somewhere for a couple of months, it's a lot better place to be. And everybody kind of agreed. They said, yeah, let's do it. And then it says in verse number 13, go ahead and read that, Alex, verse 13. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had attained their purpose, losing thence, they sailed close to Crete. So they all say, you know what? They're, he's right. Paul's wrong. Let's get to the other end of the island. It's a much better place to spend a couple months there until, until the uh, weather gets better. And in fact, the wind started blowing softly. It was blowing in the right direction. This is going to be an easy trip. Let's just get there. They sailed close by Crete. They could see the land. It was a pretty safe move. Let's pretty calculated move. Let's get over there to a much better place. Verse 14, but not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. And we have here the, the idea of almost what we were, you study that word, a typhoon, this giant storm. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. That just means that this type of ship um, could not, it, its sail could not go in certain directions. At that point, we had no hope. We just said, wherever the water takes us, we can't control this boat anymore. We let her drive. And it's always a dangerous thing to let her drive. Can I get an amen? All right. I didn't, that wasn't even my notes. That just came to me right now. But we let her drive. All right. I was just kidding. Just kidding. Verse 16. Verse 16. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, straight sail, and so were driven. 
And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. So the first day, man, they're, they're driving, it's the, the storms, it's, it's going crazy. The boat's getting off, off track. They're off course. They don't know where they're at. They're over by another island. Uh, they're all messed up. This is not the day and age of GPS. This is not the day and age of satellite telephones. There's no way. There's no SOSs. They're just out here, and they're completely lost. And it says the first day, what they did, they got some ropes and some other tackle, and they basically got it around the boat and tried to tie it to, to keep the wood from falling apart. The next day, it says, uh, on, on the second day, they lightened the ship. They began to throw stuff they didn't need overboard. At this point, they're just trying to survive. They started throwing some of their, their cargo, some of their tackle overboard. Would you read what happened on the third day, Alex? Verse number 19 and 20. In the third day, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us. All hope that we could be saved was thou take, then taken away. You see what happened there in, verse, in, in the third day? They're throwing away, they're getting rid of everything they don't need off the boat, trying to lighten it. Water's probably coming in. They're talking about, we're going to die. This is it. This is the end. We're all going to a watery grave. And it says there at the end, Luke writes, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. This wasn't just a little afternoon of seasickness. This was literally, we're not going to make it to our destination. We're not going to make it where we're trying to go. Verse 21, but after long abstinence, Paul was quiet for a long time. Paul stood forth in the midst of them. Would you all read aloud with me what Paul had to say? Join me where it says, and said, ready, begin. And said, sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. Paul here basically says, I told you so. Why didn't anybody listen to me? But now look what he says. Would you read verse 22 aloud? Ready? Begin. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Let's stop right there. It's a really weird thing to say. We're all about to die. Cheer up. Barely, he's trying to stand there in the middle. People are falling down. Waves are crashing. They've thrown over all their rations. They've thrown over food. They've thrown over tackle. And Paul's there. Life's great. Be of good cheer. Look what he says. Let's read it there. The second half of verse 22. Ready? Begin. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. We're going to lose the ship, but we're not going to lose, lose any, anybody's life. Verse 23. Would you read it aloud? Ready? Begin. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, keep reading, saying, Fear not, Paul, for thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me, howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. Paul basically says it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Verse 27 Alex, would you read that? But when the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country. And they sounded and found it twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. Now I want you to—we just skipped over a couple words. It said there the fourteenth night. How many of you have ever been— on a ship in rough seas or a boat, maybe a fishing trip or something of that nature where you got a little woozy, you got a little, anybody out there, you've been out in, in the ocean where you were kind of like, oh, I really want to get off this boat. I don't know about you, for me, 
that hasn't been day after day after day. I've been on a couple times where I didn't feel so good. I got a little seasick, and, and it, we're talking about hours, not days. Put yourself in the story. 14 days now they're here, and, and it's to the place that we're all going to die. A few years ago, we were looking for something. We came to Orange County. We were looking for something with our family to do on a family trip. And we saw a, a group on or something, whale watching at the Newport, out of Newport Harbor there. You go on, anybody done the whale watching out of Newport Harbor there? And, uh, and I thought, okay, that's cool. When I was younger, I had gone on, a, and I've been on ships a few different times, but I had gotten, gotten seasick one time when I was younger on a boat, maybe as a teenager or, or even younger than that. And so I said, I don't know if any of my kids will get seasick. I don't know how we'll all do. I don't think we've all been on a boat together. So I, I looked and I ordered some Dramamine. And, uh, and I, ordered, I ordered the kids Dramamine and the adult Dramamine, and I looked on the back, and whatever was the, the max dosage for that age group, that's what we gave everybody. I didn't want anybody getting sick. We were paying this money to go see these awesome whales, and uh, I was, I was going to be there to get my picture, a selfie with the whale jumping up in the background. They don't tell you that normally what you see is like the back of his, his thing right there, maybe a little of his tail, but I was, I was picturing the, what is that, the Prudential commercial? I was picturing that whale coming out, splashing right next to my boat, giving me a high five. That's what we were going to do. And, uh, and so we all took our Dramamine and everything was good. We got on the boat and we were there about half an hour. We're going out of the harbor. It takes about, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes to get out of the harbor. You can only go five miles. Kids, anybody feeling sick? No, dad, feeling great. How do you feel, babe? Feel good. Everybody's feeling good. Right about when we got out into the harbor. Dad, let's all go inside. We all went inside and we sat down. We weren't getting sick, but what I didn't read was Dramamine makes you drowsy. And so our whole family, none of us got sick, but we spent the next hour sitting at a table with all of our heads on the table sleeping through the whale watching tour. We did get to see some whales. We'd wake up every now and then and punch the kids. Wake up, I paid for this. See that whale right there? And then we would all go back to sleep and we saw a bunch of dolphins and things. But I've been on some boats where it wasn't too comfortable, but we're not talking days, we're talking hours. Now look what it says here. They, they figured out, they, they sounded 20 meters, sounded uh, fathoms, uh, 15 fathoms. We're getting closer to land. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast. How many anchors did they cast, Alex, in verse 29? Uh, fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast how many anchors? Do you see it? Four. Four. Four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. <laughs> Man, please, get, get, get daylight. We can see where we're at and we can get out of this boat. Verse 30, Alex, go ahead. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea, under color as though they were, they would have cast anchors out of the foreship. So what happens here, they put the anchors out and then they put the, the rescue boat. They put the rescue boat out and they acted like they were putting more anchors out, and they had, few of the, the, uh, the sailors, the workers on the boat, had made a little, uh, little uh, plan. Hey, let's get the boat out there, and when nobody's looking, we're going to jump out. We're going to go to safety. I don't care what happens to these prisoners. I don't care what happens to anybody else in this boat. I'm not dying out here. We're close enough now. Let's get to land. Verse, th verse number 31, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. We need these guys. If we're going to live, don't let them escape. And we're, we're not talking about the prisoners. We're talking about the, the, the seamen. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. So the soldiers, the centurions went over, cut the ropes. There goes their lifeboat, their, their hope for escape. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, this day is the 14th day that you've tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. For 14 days, these men have been seasick. They're weak. They're probably mentally all going crazy. They haven't eaten for 14 days. 
And it says in verse number, uh, verse number 34, wherefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. So Paul, kind of a weird thing again, in the middle of all of this chaos, despair, discouragement, he says, hey guys, let's eat. Sit down. You need some food. And he tells them all to eat. Would you read verse 36 there, Alex? Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. Makes you feel, you get, you get in a little better mood sometimes when you're hungry and you get a little food in your belly, huh, Alex? You know what I'm saying? Anybody in your family ever get a little, get a little, get a little mad, a little angry when they're hungry? Some people. Some people? <laughs> Do you want to tell us who? My dad. Your dad! All right. I've been there too. My wife will say sometimes, John, are you hungry? What's wrong with you? You need to get some food. And so I've been there, my friend. But, uh, but that's what happens here. He's, uh, Paul says, let's eat, and everybody's in a little better mood. Kind of like those Snickers commercials. You're not yourself when you're hungry. They're on a little better mood here. Verse 37, and we were in all in, in, all in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls, 276 people. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea, and when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore in the which they were minded if it were possible to thrust in the ship. That's called, we call it now, you can find it on a map, St. Paul's Bay, where, they're, where they're, going to be, they're going to come. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoised up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. And the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldier's counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. So they're all about to die in the ocean. Now they're all going to make it to land. They're shipwrecked. The boat has come. It's stuck into the ground. It's firm, but it's a very long boat. Remember, this is a grain ship. This is a very long boat. It was big enough for 276 people plus all their cargo. The back end of it was out in the waves, and so it's breaking apart. And the soldiers, if they had lost a, a prisoner and it was found out that they escaped under their watch, they could be killed. So they said, let's kill these prisoners because I'm not going down with these guys. I'm not going to make it to land only for them to escape, and then I still die. Let's kill these guys. Verse number 43, Alex, why don't you read that, the last two verses. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them for, from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. Let's all read verse 44 with Alex aloud. Ready? Begin. And, and the, the rest, rest some, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the of ship. The ship. And so and it so came to pass that they escaped, escaped all safe to land. What Paul said would happen, happened. They all escaped safe to land. And Alex, thanks for helping me. And thanks for being, I, I never have cash on me, Alex, never. I, seriously, I never carry cash. But tomorrow is my birthday. And this morning I opened up a letter from my mom. Mom, if you're watching, hello, thanks for the birthday letter. And she had given me some cash. And I opened up a letter from my in-laws and they gave me some cash, so I brought some of my birthday money for helping me out. I got a 20 here, and I got a 50 here. All right, Alex? I'm not even going to know which one it is, but for being my helper, let's find out. I don't know which one it is. Are you going to be happy no matter what it is? Yeah. You sure? Yes. All right. All right. Which hand do you want? This one right here? Oh, you got the 50. All right, Alex. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Oh, that's your Bible. Here you go. There you go. 
Mom, send more money. Alex took half my birthday present there, all right? And so here we go. Acts 27. We see if we go back to the map there, where we find ourselves. And uh, where we find ourselves is right here next week at the beginning of 28. We'll see where they make it over to Melita or what we call now Malta and uh, the rest of this journey. He's going to end up making it into Rome in the final chapter. But this chapter is all about Paul's journey. Matt, can we have that map right now? It's all about this journey, Paul's journey. See how I'm pointing to it right now? That means I'm not done with it. This map right here, Caesarea to Crete. And so we see this journey right here. All right, you can take it off. But uh, where we find is Paul's shipwreck. And I want to bring to you a message tonight. I want to bring to you a message entitled, Anchors in the Storms of Life. What a ride we read in Acts 27. What a journey. And and really, if you stop and sit in this and just think about it, they're here and and for 14 days, their boat and pieces are breaking off and and people are are, are despairing. They're not eating. They're they're mentally, they're physically exhausted. This is over. It's all going to end. And here's the reality, and I don't want to over-allegorize this chapter, but here's the reality. Sometimes the seas of life do get stormy. The path of life does get bumpy. Following God at times can get a little crazy, a little uncertain, a little fearful. And I want us to see in this passage, I'm not just going to make up four anchors because they had four anchors in here. I'm just going to make up four things. that No, I see here, I, and I hadn't planned it because there was four. I Literally, as I studied out Paul's words, it were, there were four things that I see that gave Paul a perspective in the storms of life that no one else on the ship had. Paul had a perspective about the difficulties of his journey that nobody, even the most experienced sailors, did not have. Paul had. And I want us to see these things, this perspective that I believe are some things that we can cling to in our times of need when we find ourselves in the tempestuous seas of life, some anchors in the storms of life. Look at the beginning, the first, oh, I don't know, eight or nine, ten verses, whatever that is, of verse number 22. Look what he says. He says in verse number 22, actually we'll read the whole part of 22 and then the beginning of verse 23. Notice what it says, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer. They're about to die, they think. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Notice what he says. For there stood by me this night the angel of God. What gave Paul a peace and a perspective that nobody else in the boat had? And what are the anchors that you and I can cling to in the storms of life? Number one, I'd suggest to you the presence of God. The presence of God. What was different about Paul from everyone else? Paul said, uh, why do I have a different perspective than you guys? Why do I have a different peace than you guys? There stood by me this night the angel of God. What did Paul tell Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verses 16 through 18? He said at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Nobody was with me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. I'm not angry with them. Notice what he said, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. He said, how did I make it when everybody turned on me in the storms of life? What did he tell Timothy? Young Timothy, young pastor, you're going to serve God for a lifetime. What's going to be your anchor? One of your anchors is going to have to be your understanding of the presence of God in your life. 
There will be times that people betray you, that people let you down, those that you thought you could count on, that they turn their backs on you, those that you thought you could trust, they, they prove to be dishonest, those that whatever it might be, but notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. What did we see in Acts 26 last week? The only way you're going to make it, what did he say? Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue to this day. What is Paul saying? Why could I stand strong and stand firm in the storms of life? Because because the Lord stood with me. And I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you're facing, and I don't know what you will face, and I, I don't know what I will face in the days to come, but may I say, we can be of good cheer in the storms of life because the Lord stands with us. You say, well, pastor, that was just Paul that happened to him. Oh, what did, Paul, what did Jesus tell his disciples? I'm giving you that commission to go reach the world with the gospel. And what did he say? And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What does the Bible say in the, another book in the New Testament? He said, I, he promised, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Paul didn't have some corner on the market of the presence of God. You and I have the same Holy Spirit living within us. You and I have the same access to the throne of grace that Paul had. You and I have the same presence of God in our lives. What did he say? Why, did he, why was he of good cheer? Because there stood by me this night the angel of God over and over again. In Paul's time of need, Christ showed up and reminded him that he was not alone. The hymn writer said, all may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. Why can we cling to, and what can we cling to in the storms of life? The truth that he will never leave us nor forsake us. What's the second anchor I see in Paul's life in the midst of the storms? Look at the middle of, of verse number 23. He said, the first part, the presence of God, there stood by me, the angel of God. Would you look at the next three words? Say them aloud with me after God in verse 23, the next three words. Ready? Begin. Whose I am. Would you say that again? Whose I am. What's the second anchor? that we can cling to in the storms of life, our position in Christ. Our position in Christ. Not just the presence of God, but whose I am. Whose I am, and this, the choir sang it this morning, you, I am who you say I am. I, I am. I'm loved, I'm forgiven, I'm not forsaken, I'm accepted in the beloved. Whose I am. Paul was saying, I'm not confident because of my strength or my wisdom. I'm confident because of whose I am, and he will never leave me nor forsake me. And he promised that he would see us through this. I'm confident because of my position in Christ. And Christian, may I say tonight, our contentment is not about our circumstances, it's about His sovereignty. Our peace is not about our power, it's about His plan. Our faith doesn't lie in our wisdom, but in His perfect will. You're a child of the King. Why does the storm then have you so upset? Why does this uncertainty have you so fearful? Why does this circumstance have you, have you so downhearted? Like Paul, may I say to you tonight, in the storms of life, be of good cheer, not just because of the presence of God, but because of whose you are. We're in the, the, it talks about that we're in the palm of his hand and, and, and nothing can separate us from the love of God. So why do we live in such 
discouragement and despair. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. What did Paul say? Let's sit down and have a bite to eat because the master has it all figured out. But, but, but Paul, we, it said here, we haven't seen the sun for two weeks. We haven't seen the moon or the stars for two weeks. We've got no food left. We haven't eaten in weeks. We're all seasick and delirious. But I'm Christ and I have some anchors in that, in that storms, of, in the storms of life, the presence of God and, 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 the, and the, not just the presence of God, but my position in Christ. The third anchor in Paul's storm, what did he rest in? Look at the end of verse 23. He said, whose I am, the last four words of verse 23. Would you read those aloud? Ready? Begin. And whom I serve. What did he say here? What's my anchor in the difficulties of life? Our master's power. Whom I serve. It's not my plan. It's not my will. It's not my power. I'm not the one in charge. I'm just a servant. You know, we kind of view that in our day and age, being a servant as being like this low-class, terrible station in life. You know, when you're a servant of the master and, and a, a child of the king, when he's of God, it's, it's such a peaceful place to be. Such a wonderful place to be because we don't have to figure it out. We don't have to know where it's going. We don't have to know how it's all going to work. You know what we have to do? Just be faithful to love and worship and serve the one who does. What a, what a, what a peace-giving place to be. The power, I'm just a servant. This isn't my battle to fight. It's his battle to fight. I'm just serving the one who has all of the power. It's I know who I serve. I, I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. It's all part of his plan, Paul said, and I, I'm just going to keep serving him and rest in his plan. You see, if, if, if all this thing, whatever you're facing in life, if it's all up to me and if we have to figure it out on our own, life gets really scary and really burdensome and really discouraging and really wearisome and really disheartening because it's on me and we realize it's bigger than me. I can't fix it. I can't change that. And I can't heal that person. And I can't, I can't make that happen. And I can work hard and I can pray and I can do my best. But to be honest, this, there just are things that will, if they haven't come into your life already, they will come into your life that are just bigger than you. And you can't fix them. And you can't change them. It's not within your power. But when you're in those storms, you know what it's a good reminder? I'm not the one that has to figure it all out. I know who I serve. His power, his sovereignty, his providence, his wisdom is what I rest in. It's my anchor in the storms of life. If it's all up to me, life gets really scary. But if I'm just a servant who doesn't have to worry about how to make it all happen, I, I just have to do my master's bidding. Life is so much simpler and enjoyable and more peaceful. And lastly, and this is beautiful, I want you to see verse number 24. So he said, I know whose I am and whom I serve. And what did he say in verse 24? Saying, fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. I want you to hold your hand here in, in chapter 27. Turn over four chapters, back where we were a few weeks ago, chapter 23. Go with me if you will, and we're almost done. Chapter 23, verse number 10. Chapter 23, verse number 10. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, literally the Roman soldier is worried Paul's going to be quartered. He's going he's to have limbs ripped from his body. 
commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. We remember this passage probably, many of us. Paul is brought in. They're trying to kill him. And notice what happens. Would you read verse number 11 aloud with me? Verse 11. Ready? Begin. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, thou must, that so must thou bear witness also at... Bear witness also at where? The angel of the Lord came and said, Fear not, Paul. Be of good cheer. Why, why do you think he needed to tell Paul to be of good cheer? Because Paul wasn't of good cheer. Why do you think he had to tell him to stop fearing? Because he was fearing. And you know what he said? Don't worry about it, Paul. You've, you've been faithful to witness of me here in Jerusalem. You're going to make it to Rome. Now, here's what we sometimes forget. And I preach that whole message on, on God's at work in our quiet times. But here's what we forget. That's a really exciting verse. God promised I'm going to make it to Rome. Here's the only problem. Life didn't get easier or better after that promise. It got harder and worse. And for years, that promise went unfulfilled. For years, he sat in a holding cell. For years, it seemed like God's word wasn't true. God's promises weren't going to be fulfilled. And you know what Paul says here to them? What's the fourth anchor, Paul? I see Paul holding to in the midst of the storm, not just the presence of God and our position in Christ and our master's power, but the promises of God. Go back over and we're almost done. Verse 27. Please go back to uh, chapter 27. I'm sorry. Go back to chapter 27. What did he say in verse 24? He said, the angel told me I must be brought before Caesar. A reminder, the promise of God from a couple years ago in my life. Look at then, look then at verse number 25, and let's read it aloud, if you will, verse 25. Read it with, with some energy and emotion. Think about what you're reading. Ready? Begin. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. What did Paul say? Why? Everybody's despairing. Everyone's discouraged. They're scheming. They're thinking about how to escape. I'm going to use that life. Hey, I'm not giving them the lifeboat. I don't care who gets away except for it's me. Hey, guys, let's get that lifeboat off. Let's act like we're throwing anchors over. We'll get the lifeboat off. We'll jump in it. We'll make it safe to shore. Everybody's discouraged. They're hungry. They're delirious. They're, they're they're depressed, they're, they're, they're thinking, this is it, it's over. And here's Paul over and over again saying, be of good cheer, be of good cheer, be of good cheer. And what was it he said? For I believe God, it shall be even as it was told me. What did he say? I'm clinging to the promises of God in the midst of my storm. My anchor, my anchor is the promises of God. The sailors cast out four anchors, four physical anchors, to try to bring stability to a hopeless situation. Paul told them, actually before they cast out those four anchors, Paul told them, I've got four anchors that are far more effective and better than the four anchors that are in this boat. I have four anchors that you know nothing about, and four anchors that are more effective than any boat anchor. And Paul said, be of good cheer. Here's the reality, church. The Bible says, man that is born of woman, his days are few and full of trouble. That's not a defeatist attitude, oh, life stinks. No, it's a realist attitude. Life has challenges. A sinful, broken world will come with struggles and with brokenness and with heartaches and with challenges. And sometimes those aren't, we view them as negative and God uses them for good. But it doesn't make them easy. 
Just because God uses them for good, they're still hard. And you know what happened here? All hope was lost. We're not going to make it through this. All hope was lost. And what did Paul say? Here are some anchors for the storms of life. What were Paul's anchors? What I see here is Paul's anchors. What, 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 what did he say? He said, first of all, he told them, be of good cheer, but it was the presence of God. The fact that God's with me, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I can be of good cheer because I have access to the throne of grace. God lives with me, Emmanuel, God with us, what we celebrate at Christmas. The Holy Spirit, God's presence, gives me good cheer in the storms of life. Not only his presence, but whose I am, my position in Christ. Whose I am, not only my position in Christ, but my master's power, whom I serve. And then the promises of God. By the way, there are times when it seems like the promises of God are impossible. It seems like, yeah, I read that, I believe that, I've heard that, but it's been years. May I just remind you, it had been years since Paul had heard that promise, but he stayed faithful. And did God fulfill the promise that Paul would make it to Rome? Yes or no, church? Did, Paul, did God fulfill the promise that everyone would be saved alive from the boat? Yes or no, church? Has God ever failed on a single promise? Yes or no, church? Never. Let the promises of God hold you fast in the storms of life. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.